You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, My name is Dusty. I'm one of the pastors. Really excited to talk Acts 17. Um, I was talking about this uh, this passage today with one of our um, staff members, Brent, that leads our gospel communities, our small groups, uh, about, um, like, I'm really excited about the thing I'm going to talk about, about uh, specifically the part that talks about these allotted periods and boundaries, the time and the place that you're here. That's the sermon series for the next three weeks, that you're right here, right now, by God's design, all right? Like, that's where we're going. And so that's really exciting. But also, um, like the rest of Acts 17, this has actually been a really significant chapter of the Bible for me for different reasons. So there's there's several different sermons here, and I'm going to do the best I can to try to just preach one of them. Uh, but still, some awesome stuff that stood out to me in the past um, that we're just going to almost going to play tour guide a little bit and go, like, hey, you need to also look over here at the Grand Canyon. Oh, check out, this is Mount Everest right over here. So there's some really great stuff I'm going to try to point out as we go, uh, but then really try to run into this idea of allotted periods and boundaries right here, right now that God has you. So uh, my thought about this is, is that most of us probably haven't given a lot of thought uh, to the time and the place that God has put you. Um, In fact, even more than that, some of you may actually kind of be a little resentful about the time and place that God has you, about the things that are going on in our world. Uh, Maybe you're not all that excited about living in Lubbock. Um, On the other hand, there are some of us that might be even too excited about living in Texas and in Lubbock. Um, I don't know if you know this, but uh, people around the world and around the United States uh, kind of snicker at us Texans a little bit. Like, for instance, let's say you're traveling internationally, like maybe at a resort or just traveling internationally for whatever reason um, that most people, you may not know this, when you say, where are you from? Uh, someone from Massachusetts doesn't say, I'm from Massachusetts. Um, when they talk to someone from another country, they say they're from America. Uh, however, uh, Texans, on the other hand, you'll say, hey man, you know, where, where are you from? And usually most Texans will say, Texas, you know, that kind of thing. And people snicker about us, but I'm fine with it. So some of us uh, may even like be too excited about where we're from. Uh, but in either level, we may not have really considered like the redemptive purposes that God has about you being right here, right now, where he's placed you. So I'm actually going to back up a little bit, all the way back into verse 22, and we're going to, again, I'm going to play tour guide a little bit on these verses because um, there's a lot going on here that uh, Paul's talking to people of a very specific time and place. These are people in Athens, Greece. If you think back to um, what you learned about in um, you know, maybe in, in junior high or high school about uh, about ancient Greece. Well, that that's what's going on here. You know, Zeus and all that, and all these deities and these different uh, these different gods that would do different things and maybe even kind of have conflict with one another. And these are also very philosophical people. That these are high level thinkers. They like to sit and debate. They loved ideas. They love to talk about ideas. So he's entering into this space with these people. So let's just jump in here, uh, verse twenty two. So Paul, um, standing in in the midst of their Agapagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found it also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, and therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So this is a whole sermon right here, maybe a few sermons. But at times, this has been really the thing that stood out to me about this passage, is that uh, there's a lot to learn here. 
even talking to Christians in this room about how Paul engages the world and culture around him in this little sermon as he's talking to a non-believing, you could call this a road game. Uh, this is not church. These are a bunch of people that, that, um, that are polytheists that believe in lots and lots of gods. And he's making an interesting bridge here. And he says, look, you know, you guys believe in lots of gods. Um, in fact, they even had an inscription that said to an unknown God to kind of cover their bases. Uh, going, hey, we believe in this God and this God and this God. But we might have left one out. And in case we did, here's an altar to that one too. And he actually uses that as a, an entry point to say, hey, I want to chat to you about that God. Um, you already are religious people, but you don't, you, don't know, um, you don't know about this unknown God. And I'm about to tell you about Jesus's death and resurrection. He uses that as a bit of an introduction there. And I do think there are a lot of things to learn for us. And I, I wish that every Christian that's here today or watching online would spend more time considering and even thinking about the culture and the place and the time that we're embedded in and unique, unique and winsome ways that we can engage it. Because I do think while the gospel message of Jesus's death and resurrection is what it is, it's timeless, how it is that we enter into that conversation, there are more and less winsome ways to go about that. And I actually think this is a really interesting way that he entered into that particular people of that particular time and space. And uh, it may throw you off a little bit when he says you're religious. Being religious doesn't mean that you're a Christian. Um, in fact, the vast majority of the world actually does believe in God, even if we narrowly define religious to mean someone that believes in God and even has particular beliefs of God and particular way of, of practicing that religion, that I think it's around 93% of the world believes in God. All right, 93%. Sometimes you can almost feel because of our experience right now at our particular time and place that, that like belief in God is way on the decline and then in almost no time it'll cease to exist. But you can make a case that the world is more religious right now than it's been in the past, not less. Now the exceptions, the outliers for this are you know, like Western Europe uh, or Europe in general and or you call the West, which would be Europe, um, United States, maybe Australia, places like that. But if you take those places off the radar, you know, Africa, the Middle East, you know, Asia, that, that religion is actually really high and on the rise, actually. Um, and if you were to define religious more broadly, I would make a case that, that re being religious and having a sense of belief in something bigger than you and a sense of like how we live in light of that is actually kind of hardwired into our system. I would make a case that we're all religious, even if you don't believe in God. All right, now that may trip you up a little bit. But um, if you think about it, like whether you have like certain, if you look back at like at all, the old, you know, Stalin era uh, Soviet Union, I mean, it was religious. There wasn't God, but like you, it was the state that was the object of worship. And, and there were expectations of how you lived. And so um, whether it is a political ideology, state, party, um, or a philosophy of something you're into, uh, almost everybody has a belief of what's wrong with the world and what would fix it. And it ends up being very religious with or without God, if you want to define that more broadly. So he's engaging people that are incredibly religious, that were polytheist, in fact, and making a case saying, hey, I want to talk to you about this unknown God. Let's, let's keep moving along. So that wasn't bad, was it? I, I, I don't think I preached too much of an extra sermon there, but it's actually really significant um, about uh, where it is that we're going. Verse 24 uh, the God who made the world, now he's going to describe this unknown God. Uh, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives uh, to all mankind life and breath and everything. Um, all right, now this, there was a time, the first time I ever read Acts 17, like as a follower of Jesus, that 
this is the part that actually stood out to me then. And by the way, I think that is a really neat part about the Bible, about how different times you read it, there are different things that you just stand out to you. And you may have read it last month and you read the same passage and there's something else that God impresses on you. This right here was huge for me. And let me tell you why that there was a time when I was a relatively new Christian that it's not that people necessarily said that God lived in a church building. Like, I, I don't know that I heard a sermon on that, but it was more of like how Christians would practice it that made me feel like, like that this space right now was somehow more sacred than, than others. You know, like for instance, like somebody might've, you know, walked into, you know, a place with a hat on and it was like some guy would grab him with a shirt and throw him up against the wall. Take that hat on in here. Do you not know that God lives in here? And you're like, well, hold on. Uh, I don't actually think that that's true. Like if it would be wrong to wear a hat in here, then we probably shouldn't wear a hat anywhere because I think that God dwells everywhere, right? And so you got this impression that like he's like back here in the little baptismal changing room or something like that, or like you needed to really dress up here. And I heard that argument going, well, if you were to meet the president of the United States or a really important person, would you just um, come in your Lulu shorts and a t-shirt? And the answer is, I, yeah, I probably might, I might. Uh, but the idea would be is that, uh, that if you, that you're, you're coming to meet God. So that, that would be the argument for wearing your Sunday best. And by the way, that's not a critique if you were dress up or dress down, but everything was painting this picture of there's something extra unique about God's dwelling, like in a church building or something like that. And especially to like a, a Jew at this time, they would have been like, no, God lives in the temple. But here's the reality. Even in the temple in the Old Testament, this is the argument he's making is that the creator God of all of the universe he doesn't live in our baptismal changing room where you get to encounter him for an hour a week. In fact, um, even in the Old Testament where God uniquely dwelt at the temple in the Holy of Holies, um, that that was a way that we could engage him, that, that the Jews of that time period, through priests, through sacrifices, they could encounter God. But it's not like he was shut up in that little room in the temple a few thousand years ago. And he's like, man, I didn't even know that was going on in another part of the world. I, I'll, I'll hang out here, you know? And I talk to people like once a year on the day of atonement or something. But the reality is God was everywhere. Even back then, that was just how we could encounter him. But now we know that through Jesus's death and resurrection, we call this the gospel message through the Holy Spirit, awakening people to faith that through that, um, what's crazy is, is that God is now present and near to us. He doesn't live in a facility. And so yes, there is something sacred about us gathering and you can dress up, you can dress down, you can wear a hat or not wear a hat. None of that matters. Um, there's something beautiful about when we gather together and God is here with us. However, he's also here with us when we're driving from the parking lot. He's also near to you in your living room when you put on coffee and open up your Bible and you pray. He's with you um, at your work and with your family or with your sorority sisters. He's with you all the time. He doesn't live in temples built by human hands. This is the unknown God that he's describing. Verse 25 is also just as cool where it says he's not served by human hands as though he needed anything. Um, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. This was also a huge idea to me over the years in addition to God not living at church. Furthermore, um, he's also the creator God that needs nothing from you. He doesn't need you to complete him. And I kind of got that impression over the years too. I'm not blaming that on anybody, but I really got that impression that what worship and church and Bible reading and even serving God uh, through different things like sharing my faith and helping people out that, um, that it was like, you know, God was kind of lonely, maybe kind of insecure about himself. And the fact that I really meant it when I sang that song this morning, that God kind of felt better about himself, you know, and he really needed me to do that. He needed my money. He needed me to share my faith. And here's the reality is this is an incredible idea that we, uh, the doctrine is the sovereignty of God, that God doesn't need anything to be okay. 
Like he didn't need, in fact, he could, he could if he wanted to, um, he could uh, make it where every single person in the world um, heard the good news of Jesus right now. Like he could put that on, just on, blare it. I mean, he could, if there's so many different things he could do. The point of what we do as Christians, of connecting with God, is we read the Bible, we gather as the church, we obey God, we share our faith. Yeah, we do all those things. We do, we serve God in the sense uh, of coming alongside of God redemptively to meet needs and to make him known. But we don't serve him in the sense that he needed anything and we're completing him and there was a us-shaped vacuum in God's heart that needed to be filled uh, by our singing and by our serving and by our obedience and by our act. He didn't need any of that. He is self-sufficient and that reframes the whole conversation of what it means to serve God. He doesn't live in a building. He's way bigger than you think um, and it is a, a real revolution spiritually when you take us from being at the center of uh, our universe and God's universe and rather put God God there, where God is at the center of God's own universe. God is at the center of our own universe. It's actually incredibly liberating. This is the unknown God that he's declaring to them in this passage. Again, that's a whole other sermon, and I'm going to just move on. Uh, I'm going to show incredible restraint not to keep hammering away at this because it is a beautiful and awesome picture of who God is. But now we're going to look at the verses that I really want to dial in. That gives you context for um, the unknown God that he's declaring to these people. He says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. So he's saying, look, all these different people, these different times, um, these different ethnicities, different political situations, different, different all kinds of situations. Uh, here's, here's why. Having determined allotted periods, so that's the time that you live in, the life stage that you live in, we're going to talk about that next week, and the boundaries of their dwelling place, and that's talking about the place um, that you're here, um, you're wherever you are by God's design, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. So that's the redemptive purpose to um, the, the period that you're in and the, the location, the boundary that you live in is so that you would seek God and you would, you would kind of feel your way there. And the good news is, is he's not like hiding himself from you either. He's also active in that process. It says, yet he's actually not far from each, uh, from each one of us. Uh, and so what I want to do is I want to run through this passage a little bit. And um, we actually discussed this passage, these two verses, uh, back um, right when COVID was flaring up, good times, back in March of 2020. And I've kind of tweaked and modified some of the points that we talked about from that um, to this current moment. We're really talking about the fact that you, we are here right now. So here's the first point uh, of these four from these two verses. Number one, God put you on this earth, so that's the first part, but in Lubbock, Texas, um, in January of 2022. Um, now, there's some of you like, uh-uh, I live in Frisco. I'm just here visiting my, okay, then fine. Then God put you in Frisco um, in January uh, of 2022. That's fine, uh, wherever you live. But I would say probably 95 plus percent of us that you live here in Lubbock. You know, and uh, again, there's some of us here. That's your boundary. Like that's your the place that God put you here on purpose. Uh, God did this. He put you right where He put you with your family, your situation, your marital status, your life, what you're doing occupationally, right here, right now. Like this is where He, he is. Now, some of you have an exit strategy. I get that. Like some of you, some of you are like, "Well, I ain't going to be saying that in a year," you know. And look, I used to be in that boat. Um, there was a time, like I went to Tech and graduated um, in the mid '90s. Uh, we moved away, and I thought that was the end of my Lubbock experience. Enjoyed it, and that was all that. Although it was kind of different, like when you're, you know, involved, you know, at the campus. That's kind of its own experience in a way. Uh, but we moved back in '99. Uh, and I started doing college ministry at Southcrest Baptist. 
uh, did that for nearly a decade, and Amy started medical school. So like that, that's what brought us back to Lubbock. And I remember even having a conversation with her about it, that I, I was not just super fired up about it in some ways, and I said, all right, uh, we'll do med school, but then we're, you know, that. And so then we did med school. And the next thing you're like, well, we could do, you know, let's do residency. We'll do residency. And then, you know, we'll find something else to do. But then by the end of residency, you know, th this place really grew on us. And we're like, you know, you know, we could plant a church. And even though there's no water for hundreds of miles, we could burn the ships, you know, and uh, we could just make this, we could just make this our place that this feels like home. And we love these people, this city. Um, all that, and we, we actually decided, you know what, we're lifers, uh, at least to the best of our knowledge and understanding of what, um, you know, what, what God would do and all that. And so whether you have an exit strategy of being out next year because of graduation or just a different job, different life, or you maybe even like it too much uh, and you're Lubbock or leave it, you know, kind of guy or girl. And, uh, but whatever the case is, whether you're, you're here your whole life or for a season, can we agree that right here that God has placed you here uh, for this season? And um, with all the things uniquely of what, what your life looks like, again, next week we'll talk about the allotted periods, but um, there's something about your life stage right now that odds are will look very different in two years, and it, odd, it probably looks a lot different than it did two years ago. Like, there's just something real unique about these allotted periods and boundaries right here, right now, that God has you at. And, um, and I do think these allotted periods mean something, even if we're going to focus on this more next week, that, um, that some of you will have a different place in your life with children, and maybe you're going to have a child that you don't have right now, or maybe the kid that's in diapers is going to be a toddler, and some of you will be empty nesters by then. And, uh, just all sorts of things, professionally and in, in your life stage, God put you in Lubbock right here, right now. Number two, and this kind of builds on that idea, God put specific people around you in Lubbock in January of 2022. Specific people, that's the point of this one, specific people. So you have this place, but there are people around you that are really unique to you. That, um, so again, this is gonna be uniquely for Christians that are here, that, um, that for Christians, I would say that God has put people around you that you have unique reach with, that no one in this room, no one watching online, certainly not me, no one else has the kind of trust and relational connection that you do. I think that's just a fact. There are people that you know, um, like for instance, there's some really cool stuff that's happening right now and just little pockets of people, and I love it when I hear it, some really cool stuff that's happening on one of the athletic teams at Tech. And, um, and I, a while back that one of them really started following Jesus and then she looks up and is like, man, I could invite some of my teammates. I could, I could ask some of them to um, read the Bible with me. And like I, I am probably not gonna be super great um, connecting with 20-year-old uh, female track stars um, in Lubbock. I don't, I don't know that that's gonna be like my connections. Uh, that's not gonna be like where, where my relationships are gonna run deep. But those were her connections and God has used her incredibly and in fact using them incredibly and what a beautiful deal and you have those kind of circles with people that live near you and some of your neighbors that you've befriended people that you work with co-workers uh, people that your kids play on the sports teams play on sports teams or do different extracurricular activities and you're getting connected to the parents and the kids are becoming friends and like you have unique reach um, that God has given you specific people right here right now it may be different um, one of the things that I've realized over the years is even people that I was really connected with that maybe because our kids, you know, go into different things, different schools, um, that you end up losing the day-by-day -day connection, but it doesn't take away from the depth and the connection of that moment and how important it was for that season while you're running together. And yeah, you may only be in that sorority or that fraternity
eternity for these couple of more years. Uh, but you're right here, right now, these specific people, and listen to this, by God's design. That's the whole point of all of this, that God gave you boundaries, he gave you allotted periods, and all of this has a redemptive purpose, whether you think it does or not. Um, it's actually really, really significant. Um, so if I were to combine these two things together on a more personal level, uh, about right here in Lubbock and with the specific people, um, a couple of really significant markers. We do something kind of different in our family. Uh, I've only raised sons. I'd have to figure out something else for daughters. You guys can get back with me on that. I've had two of them. And when they turn 13, we have a manhood ceremony. It's kind of a ceremony to mark, um, you know, you're no longer a boy. We kind of still are, but you're kind of emerging into manhood with different challenges and different responsibilities. And so we've done that uh, when my oldest kid, Roman, whenever he was 13, he's now 20. Um, and then JJ turned 13 a week ago. And um, it was interesting thinking back, because we did his ceremony last night, thinking back to when we did Romans. And um, I was thinking back to about half that group of people that came over to our patio um, that we, you know, we, everyone reads a letter to them, what they would have said to their 13-year-old self. We also, I call it a redneck bar mitzvah because um, also gets a gun. So anyways, you can like that or not, but that's just how we do it. Um, and so, um, but I was just thinking back to the guys that were there and, um, and the guys that were there at that time, like I think about Dustin Ferguson that led our youth ministry back then. And Dustin went with one of our church plants to Utah. Now he lives where Katie's from in Albuquerque. I think of Paul Torres. He went with the church plant to California. Now he's a fly fishing guide in Wimberley. And like those guys aren't here anymore. Like there was a season when Paul and Dustin were in Lubbock at Redeemer and had like an intersection of life with Roman. But I thought about the significance of those two guys for that period and how much they meant to him at that time. And that mattered. Like you can't, you can't undo that. There was a time when they were all together and that time was for a short season and now they're in different spots. Even Roman's not in Lubbock anymore, but God really worked in a really unique and awesome way. Um, whenever we can kind of capitalize on the fact that right here, right now, we're together. Number three, these allotted periods and boundaries occur so that we would seek God. If you look back at verse 27, uh, that they, these periods and boundaries, that they would seek God, perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. I love that. Um, there are, I realize that a lot of us may hate the moment we're in right now. You may or may not like Lubbock. None of those things matter. They're not relevant. Uh, but what you should know is that you're, whatever you're going through and your unique experiences and your unique time, the reason why God has put you right here right now with the people around you in the situation in 2022 with all the goods and all the bads, our political environment, um, dealing with COVID still, all that, that the reason he did that is that we would seek him. And we would kind of, good news, God's not like, like hiding from us. He's very actively revealing himself and wooing us to him too. But the whole point is that we would connect with him. Like that's why, that's why you're here. It's why you're here here in this sermon right now is that you would seek him and connect with him. Um, I think that's a beautiful reality. I think of 1 Peter 5, 7, that says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So if you're anxious because of the particular moment you're living in, because your unique challenges, the things you're dealing with, maybe a conflict with some of those people that God has put in your life, whatever those things are, that you may notice that you're, uh, there's something new in you. 
Um, like you're maybe praying and, and asking God to intervene more than you used to. I'm hearing some stories like that of people that were totally disinterested in God pre-2020 that are like really curious and really open right now to the spiritual, to the eternal. Maybe some of you uh, Christians that have just been on autopilot for a long time and maybe for a part of this period that we've been walking through, you kind of got your fist up and you're real, you know, fighting with everybody and everything else. You're kind of getting to the end of your rope and you're like, man, I, I feel like I, I, need, I need something new in me. I need, I need a breath of renewal, uh, a new connection with God, something to help me. And, um, and if you, you're starting to think that way, God's saying, exactly. That's the whole point, is this time, this place, God puts you here for a purpose. Um, the fourth and final point um, is that God is near. And I get that uh, from the very end of 27, where it says, look, that we, we want to seek him. And he's like, hey, and he ain't hiding. Uh, he's not actually that far. Uh, he's not actually that far uh, from, uh, from each one of us. And this is actually really encouraging. Uh, because Jesus' death and resurrection, um, sometimes you may feel like your prayers are bouncing off this metal roof or wherever it is you live, again, because God doesn't live here. He also doesn't live exclusively, you know, a billion light years, um, you know, at Alpha Centauri or something like that. Like that. Um, he actually, if you're a Christian, because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit has been given to each one of you. He's actually as near to you as your skin. He's right here. And so even the sermon right now, I'm not talking abstractly about an idea about God that lives a million miles away. He's actually right here. Now, he's also right with you in your car when you drive home. And he's also with you in your residence hall room. He's also with you in your living room. He's also with you uh, wherever. He's with you all the time. He's actually near to you, and he always has been. And he's using the time and place, the allotted boundaries and periods that you live in to draw you in. And because this sermon, I think you can say this by extension, um, this sermon was to to people that were not Christians. They weren't Jews mostly. These were idea people in Athens and they were not Christians. And because of this, he's trying to uniquely kind of connect them to this unknown God and, um, and help them understand their unique time and place that they would seek him. I think he would say, if this would have been a Christian sermon, if this would have been uh, to Christians, in other words, um, if this would have been a home game, you could call it, that I think he uh, would have framed this a little bit differently. Um, I think he would have also said, hey, so that you'd seek him, so that you would be renewed, and that there would be incredible impact where God has placed you with your job, your friends, your people, your campus, your, your life, that God has given you these people and this time uh, to not only connect you to him, but actually to connect them to him. It's why we say you are sent every single week whenever we're done. It's that's how we view it. A bunch, uh, hundreds and hundreds of you that spread all across our city to make it a better place. And as I wrap this up, I don't think this is new. I think this is always the case for God's people. Even in very unfavorable political or otherwise experiences, that God is constantly at work. Look hundreds of years before this, uh, the people of Israel are in exile in Babylon. Look at this at Jeremiah 29, 4 through 7. I think this is a really cool passage right here that'll help you see uh, some of these things. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I've sent into exile, whom I've sent into exile. So here it is again, the sovereign God, I'm putting you here for a redemptive purpose. You're never where you are by accident. Uh, from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons, uh, give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not decrease, uh, but rather to seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile and to pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So he says, look, don't withdraw and kind of just cluster up with the Jewish people and you know, talk about how bad the Babylonians are and just avoid them and despise them. 
engage them, and in fact, work for the welfare of Babylon. Uh, and also, don't become like the Babylonians. Don't just adopt their values. We're going to be a distinct people, but let's work for the welfare of this city. I've placed you there. Work for its welfare and its benefit, because by my design, I put you there for your benefit and for the city of Babylon. And it doesn't matter that generations before lived and died in, in Israel. And in fact, in a couple of generations, they'll return to the land of Israel. But you're right here, right now, among this people, work for the flourishing of that city, um, even if they've defeated you, um, that God would use you redemptively, both you and them. Um, on a personal note, again, that, that manhood ceremony last night, and I'll, I'll baptize my kid, my younger one here at this last service, so a really special Sunday for me. But it was really interesting to listen to my older kid read his letter to the younger one uh, last night. It was interesting. And one of the things he said, he said a lot of really impactful things, but he said, um, hey, look, um, I remember when I was 13, I was just constantly thinking about the next thing, about how cool it would be to play high school sports and even to get more freedoms and to drive and, you know, again, to be able to stay out and have my own friends and develop more independence and, you know, maybe even someday play college sport and that it'll be so great then. He, and he said, you know what's interesting is right now I'm actually playing a college sport and I've got all the freedom that I really want. He said, but man, I would do almost anything to come back to my 13-year-old manhood night and play my 13U Matador season again and be a 13-year-old. That was probably the most fun I ever had playing baseball, those travel tournaments with those friends. Don't be in such a hurry to grow up and think about that next stage that you're not enjoying and engaging what is right now. And I actually think that's really great advice for you because some parents in here may be thinking, man, if we can just get them out of diapers, if we can just get them into school, if we can just get them into, uh, into middle school when you know, we're not having to manage all the, if we, can just get into, if we can just get them out of the house, if we can just get to retirement, if we can just get, it's just always this next thing that this is when I'm really going to engage Jesus and this is when I'm really going to go deep in my connections with the church and really deep in my connection with my gospel community. And this is when I'm really, how about right here, right now, right? This is where God has put you and what happens if there's a redemptive purpose for you and a redemptive purpose for the people that are around you. I'm going to pray that that would be real and true for us. Lord, would you, uh, would you make that kind of impact in us? that you would use the unique circumstances everybody in this room is experiencing, that we would seek you. And also for our friends and neighbors, some of whom are in the service, some of whom are in our city um, that we see all the time and the things we're already doing, that you would make much of your son Jesus, um, that there would be a, a awakening of soul, um, even a renewal, that there would be a revival among, uh, among your people in the city, um, that you placed us here for redemptive purpose. So uh, Lord, do it. And um, um, that you would work in a really cool and awesome way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.